Yes, so we greet those who are on YouTube and uh, those who listen on podcast. We greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'll be reading from the book of Philippians. Philippians, Philippians. It's going to be an awesome message, I believe. I trust God, hallelujah. And we allow God to speak and not men to speak. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, including the overseers, in brackets you can write elders, and deacons. Verse number two. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless your word and anoint your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And glory to Jesus. Right. So I'm just going to just play around here or talk around verse 1 and 2. Some of you are going like, how can you preach from a greeting? Yes, I can. It's the word of God. Hallelujah. And let me just show you how much depth is there on verse 1 and 2 of Philippians. Hallelujah. And uh, I'll encourage those who have notebooks to really take good notes. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah and glory to God. So I want you to be aware of three things first. Three things first, those who are writing notes. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter. I see three things first and foremost. I see a name appearing three times here. And I want you to write that name three times on your notes. Hallelujah. This is the name. Christ Jesus. When you read it, it says, Paul and Timothy, seventh, seventh of Christ Jesus. That's number one. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, number two. Let's continue reading. The saints who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's number three. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, hallelujah. That's number three. So I see in two verses, just two verses, I see one name showing three times. Hallelujah. Are you with me? The apostle must be into something here. There must be something that in such a short greeting, a name shows up or is mentioned three times. I don't know about you, in your salutation, how many times you mention the name of Jesus. But we see a man of God mentioning the name of Jesus three times in less than a minute. They, he must be into something. Maybe let me say something quickly to you. Apostle Paul or any of the writers in the Bible... They don't use words carelessly. It means there is something or there is something he's emphasizing in this opening to mention one name three times. I want to say this is a glorious name. This is the glorious name of Jesus. You can write that down. It is a glorious name of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul is captured, is captivated. By this name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But now, what he does, let's go further with the message now. What the apostle does with this name of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, he associates this name with three things. And I want us to go back to the scripture and see what he associates the name of Christ Jesus with. Right, number one again. You'll have to write these numbers. We are starting over now. Number one, 
The Apostle Paul associates the name Christ Jesus with servanthood. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. There we go. He associates servanthood, servanthood with Christ Jesus. Number two, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, what does he do here? He associates sainthood. He associates holiness to Christ Jesus. Let's repeat. Let's, let's repeat. Amen. Hallelujah. So he associates servanthood with the name of Christ Jesus. Then he associates sainthood with the name of Christ Jesus. And the third one. Let's go to verse number two. Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's associating two things here. That's our number three. He's associating two things, grace and peace, to the name of Christ Jesus. Let's repeat that. He associates grace and peace to the name of Christ Jesus, to the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are we, are we doing okay? Are we, are we following? All right, all right, all right. Let's, let's continue. So already that's packed. You can see he, he's captivated. He's mesmerized by the name of Christ Jesus. That in less than a minute, he mentions this name three times. And three times he associates these three items I listed, which two of them I title. Title number one being servanthood, title number two being sainthood or holiness, and the third one is the grace and the peace of God. Hallelujah. So I want us to go to verse number one, talk about the first aspect. Then I'll give you a bit of Bible study now. Paul and Timothy. So the author of Philippians is obvious. It's Paul and Timothy. Some of you, you know who's Timothy. Timothy is the son in the Lord of the Apostle Paul. Hallelujah. Are you with me? You read Acts chapter 16. We share about it in prayer yesterday. In Acts chapter 16, Paul met Timothy. And then he had to circumcise him so that he could be accepted by the Jews, not by God. Don't forget that. And there, since then... Timothy really has been on the side of uh, this man of God, serving him, ministering with him, being sent by him to go all over. He was the son of the Lord to the apostle. Then at a certain point, he, he then instructs Timothy. Now Timothy was a leader of a church to do the work of the ministry. And I'm not going to get into this, but what I'm trying to say, Timothy was a co-laborer with Paul. But not only that, he was a servant to Paul also. He was a junior to Paul also. Let's repeat that one. He was a junior to Paul. He was a son. But look at this. It says here, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. That's their title. What is amazing in this portion of scripture, it is that Paul has never done this ever. To say Paul and Timothy, servant of Christ Jesus. Like in other words, to share a title with anyone. He has never done that. You go back, for example, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Since it's close by, I was going to quote it, but I realized I must just read it for you. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. That's how it started. Okay, let's go to Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from man, or by man, or by Christ Jesus. And we can go, let's go to Corinthians, the last one. Eh? That's the last one to show you. Let's see how he writes that, okay? Right. Second Corinthians, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, and Timothy, our brother. Okay, I rest my case. Why don't you can go to the other epistles? It's unique here in Philippians. When you read about Thessalonians, he mentions all the authors, in fact. 
and then he doesn't associate any title to them or together. In other words, Paul has never wanted to share a title with anyone in his salutation. And then he does not introduce himself here as an apostle. Hello? Let's repeat. He does not introduce himself here as an apostle. In Philippians, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. He could have said like this, of which I think he have said it somewhere else. Paul, the apostle and the servant of God, and then maybe say, and Timothy, the brother or my son in the Lord. That's how he will write it in other places probably. But in this case, he shares the exact same title of servanthood with Timothy. You know why? Because indeed, Timothy was a co-servant with the servant of God in this aspect. So this is very unique. But we are getting into something. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning it will be servanthood. Write it down. And the second thing I'm going to talk about is sainthood. And you have to wait for that part. Then I'm going to tie the two, servanthood and sainthood, to the grace and the peace of God. That you can't separate the grace of God from servanthood. You can't separate the peace of God from the servanthood. You can't separate grace and peace from holiness. You can't. This is just verse number one and two. It's packed. Now, let's do the first aspect I want to share about. So Paul, he says, me and Timothy are the servant of Christ Jesus. He mentions whose servant he is. Let's just talk about that. He's not just a servant. He says, I am a servant of Christ Jesus. Ari, Ari, I am a slave of Christ Jesus. Not just anybody's slave. So our faith, right? If you want our religion, of which I'm not a fan of such terms, but our faith, it is a paradox in a sense of being that you say, this man has given me freedom, then he calls you a slave. But the apostle Paul, he's proud to be a servant. He's very proud to be a slave of Jesus Christ. Because he's, he knows that there is power, there is joy in the Holy Ghost, there is joy in Christ Jesus. By being a servant, a slave of Christ Jesus. Now, a person who is a slave or a servant of Christ Jesus will experience freedom in all realms of life. Oh, Miss Cole, I'll repeat now. A person who decides and opts to be a servant of Jesus Christ, in return of that surrender, he's given or she is given a freedom, a liberty, and deliverance from all realms of life. In other words, in the heavens, you are given the freedom to speak things into being. Here on earth, you are given the privilege, the honor, to have the freedom to speak things into being. And that is why it is a paradox. Why? Because with anyone else either than Christ Jesus, right? And you choose to be their slave, you don't get freedom. You get bound by chains. Now, listen to this. Every man and woman in this room, and those who are listening right now online, and those who listen later, I have news for you. You like it or not, you are a slave of somebody. However, the Apostle Paul is a slave of Christ Jesus. The question I have for you this morning, whose slave are you? 
the poet, I think, it's called uh, Invictus or something like that. They say, I am a master of my soul. I'm a, the captain of my ship. Remember that? Let me tell you, not a single person is a master of their soul. Not a single person is a captain of their ship. There is always somebody driving you. There is always somebody controlling you. There is always something mastering you. I can't, you can say you don't like that. I'm telling you, there is a master. All of us, myself standing here, I have a master. But the question this morning, is this master Christ Jesus? When I read my Bible called Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8. This is number 8. Let me just go to it. Not, not verse number 8. It's Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now my servant Moses is dead. Hallelujah. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Just to make sure I'm in the right place. Where is Joshua chapter 1? Huh? Verse 1, eh? Okay, right. Amen. It's verse 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now my servant Moses is dead. You go to Job chapter 1. I think that's where the verse 8 is. Somebody check it out there for me. Go to verse number 8. There it says, have you considered my servant Job? God has his servants. So Moses, according to scripture, was a servant of God. He was a slave of God. But look at the slave called Moses. How he became a deliverer of the nation of Israel. With a mighty hand, God used a slave to deliver slaves. Ah, miss call. That's a paradox again right there. How can this God use a slave to deliver slaves into freedom? Because a slave of God is not like any other slave. A slave of Christ Jesus is liberated in all realms. That is why Moses could go into Egypt and speak the word of God until the children of Israel who were slaves at that point to be delivered from the hand of the cruel slave masters. Now, the point is, we like it or not, we are under slavery of some kind. And my call is that be a slave of Jesus Christ. Be a servant of Jesus Christ. You like it or not? You are a slave. Let me tell you how I know that. One, you are a slave to money. Two, you are a slave to a fast car. Three, you are a slave to marriage. Ah, let me repeat that one. You are a slave to marriage. Four, you are a slave to family. Five, you are a slave to your career. Six, you are a slave to food. <laughs> ah, I'll tell you how I know that. Because some of you, you think with your stomach. That's why you don't give a church. That's why you don't give to those who have need. That's why you are engame. That's why you are stingy. That is why in this nation we have state, state capture. Because people were thinking with their stomach. And the politics of this country have become the politics of the stomach. Because no one is free. 
Even the servants who stand behind the pulpit, they are slaves to their stomach, some of them. Because the decisions they make for the church, they are based on finances. When God says, do one, two, three, the first thing comes, how much? Let's do one, two, three. What's the budget? You are a slave to money. Mali will enslave you. And I tell you, I don't want to be a slave to money. In churches, we respect you. Remember everybody, all of you guys were fancy jobs. We want to respect you because we are hoping you give us some money because we are slaves to money. And in the process, we give you positions in the church, not because you are gifted, not because you are resourceful, not because God wants to use you, but because pastor is a slave to money. And I praise God. Paul and Timothy and Pastor A, servants of Christ Jesus. And I want to thank God. When I leave here, the line will read like this. Paul, Timothy, Pastor A, Pastor N, Sister Pusheleton Credibi, Mr. Solomon, Credibi, hey, Sister Buitumelo, hey, the list goes on, Sister Memory, times two, hallelujah, Sister Tabucho, and everybody, servants of Christ Jesus, that's the intention of the message, people who are not under the control of the influence of the enemy, people who don't make decisions based on family heritage, because some of you, you are slaves to the family. Every decision you make, you think about the family. But I'm here to say, every time you make a, a, a decision, it should be based on what Christ Jesus wants, not what your family wants. Because there's going to come a time you will be separated from your family. You will face the master himself on your own. And your family will face the master on their own. And everyone will have have to account not in a conference not but individually it will be one on one and it won't be a group it won't be your family clan or whatever or your nation you will stand as an individual before the master himself and you will account for your life your family won't matter at that point. I will tell you, those of you who value so much your relationships, your marriage, there will come a time two will be sleeping in one bed when the master shows up. One will be taken with the master. One will be left with him. Therefore, when it comes to your relationship with God, it's an individual thing. I came alone to Jesus and I'm going to face him alone. This is not a group thing. And I'm saying, remember that. It's an individual thing. But if you're a slave to marriage, family, it's going to cost you. I believe in family. I'm a married man. I'm trying my best to be there for my family and to be a good husband. But when it comes to my relationship with God... I go as an individual first and foremost. And then I can bring the family before God. I'm not going to have my family lead me to hell. I'm not going to allow that. No. And let me tell you, I'm not going to allow you as my church or the church I'm leading you to lead me to hell. I came alone to Jesus. When I met Jesus that day, you were not there. Ooh. 
I only had Uncle Peter in Deben, and he says, receive Jesus, and I received it. You were not there. And guess what? I, I, I don't know where he is. I thank God. I once went to a senior man of God, and as we were talking about, who passed you to the Lord? I say, a white man in Deben, in, uh, I think in 1989, somewhere there. I, I said, that man led me to Christ in the beach frontier, Deben. And I said, I accepted Jesus that day. God, but I'm looking at him. I don't know where he is. I says, no, I know Uncle Peter. And if I remember well, he says, he's late. <laughs> because I was going to track him. Amen. You did a great job. The point I'm trying to say, you come alone to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Paul Timothy, the servants of Christ, Jesus. This is what the scripture says. Some of you, you are slaves to demons. You are controlled by demons. And you will be liberated today. Because Satan and demons are also slave drivers. Mm. Some of you are controlled by your career. The Bible says when you get to heaven, all crowns will be put aside. Your title on earth will be put aside. Apostle will be put aside. CEO will be put aside. Domestic worker will be put aside. Everything will be put aside. You will be standing pure as you are before him. And of course, they'll play your tape. I hope the tape they play, you'll enjoy it. When that wonderful day comes, and we are here to prepare you. Now, Bible, as we read Philippians, servants of Christ Jesus. He makes a clear distinct that I know whose I am. This is an unusual identity. You heard about an identity last week, but this is unusual. He says, as for me, I know whose I am. Now, what does a servant does? He surrenders his desires to the master. Whether you are employed, you surrender your desires to the master. When they say seven, give seven. When they say eight hour, give eight hour. When they say no sick leave, no, you surrender your desire to your master. They fire you for disagreeing strategically with them. You surrender your strategies of life to your master. You surrender your will to the master. You have surrendered. You know exactly what you need to do. But because you love money so much, you choose the wrong careers. You choose. You, God maybe has called you into the ministry. But because the money is a slave master, you decide to get into ministry because of money. And if there's no money, you'd rather be involved in other activities. It doesn't work like that. A slave surrenders everything to the master. The master takes the passport from you and the identity and he gives you a new identity. I, I, I just want to thank God for the Americans who have the same skin color for me. That I learned, and I say, if you are from Nigeria and Congo and, and Ghana and stuff like that, and you are saying uh, uh, your parents came as slaves, why don't you have some interesting African surname? Why are you now James? Then you quickly learn when they crossed the Atlantic, when they got on the other side, they changed their identity. Ah, they give you. Now, I heard from somebody who's a history scholar. Now, you might be brothers coming from the same country, coming from Ghana, but not only the same country, coming from the same neighborhood, but not just the same neighborhood now, from the same household, coming from the same father, oh no, coming from the same mother. Now, when you get to the other side, you get given to another family in this street, and across the street, you, you, are, uh, you are given to the other one, 
and both of you are slaves. And Libomutloun for that context when you got there. But then now the slave master on the other side, and the one this side, they decide to give you new names. They call you Smith and they call you Jacksons. What I'm trying to say, Banabamut. The same father, same mother. They ended up having two different surnames in the US because the slave master gave them a new identity. You are who you belong to. Your identity is a reflection of who your master is. And that is why some of you, your attitude is not the greatest in the church because it reflects the attitude of your master. It's not too late. It's not too late. That is why we come to Jesus, we surrender all so that he gives us a new identity. It says, go Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. I need to read this one. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Read it with me. Isaiah 42, verse 1. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. God is proud of his mentioned servant here. And this is my servant, my chosen one. I can tell you now, there is a fight over you. The Bible says, the Lord rebukes you. When the enemy was fighting, with the angel, I think it's Gabriel, over the body of Moses. Because there is a fight, even when you are dead. There's a fight. The enemy wants you. God wants you. Your career wants you. Your family wants you. Food wants you. Car wants you. No, no, I, I forgot the important one in South Africa. Fashion wants you. Your fridge is empty, but you are wearing Gucci. We have to talk about that one. Yeah. You sleep with an empty stomach just to have a gushy. Hey, man. You don't have a haircut, but you, you, you are spotting a gushy. And the haircut is 10 bucks because you are a slave to fashion. Where's the balance? No, let's talk about that one. I think that's, this one is more important to South Africa. When you walk in the mall, and you came with the finest car in town, right? And you come from the finest house in town. When you walk into the mall, you look like the poorest and the one who came with taxis coming from the shack looks like a million dollar because he's a slave to fashion. Hey, escalating people. This is all about safety here. It's not about the nice being car. Couldn't you buy a much safer car? Because they are slaves to fish. Don't get me started about those of cars and houses. I'm, I'm not going to get there. You know what I was going to but I thought I must address the one year fish. Pastor, I need to get into university. My family has no money. I am broke. Wow. I see registration fee right there. Let's leave that. Let's continue. And Pastor feels like you can give him your clothing. You want school fees. Because you are a slave to fashion. Some of you need to leave without the iPhone. You have an iPhone, you have no data, you have no airtime. <laughs> Repent! The kingdom of heaven is near. How do you do that? 
to yourself. Pay 1,500 on contract at only 100 minutes and 500 megabytes. As you switch on that iPhone, it's gone. And you're paying 1,500 every month. No, I've not left iPhone, you must have unlimited minutes. That's how it works. How counter the data what what? How quickly slave you, slave you, slave you. You need to repent. Slavery. You need to overcome that. You see how slavery influences your decisions. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We drive supercars in Joburg North, but I'm still embarrassed that we don't have a church that we have really built from scratch. I am not aware of anyone. If it's there, it's very small. I'm talking something significant that we can talk about, something that can get into the, uh, the papers. But our parking lots have supercars. Christians, it's time to repent. No, I must repeat that. Your parking lot, supercars. But your church... Building is a shape. In fact, your house is bigger than your church. Slavery. Whose slave are you? Amen. I didn't plan those, uh, those things, by the way. Let me come back here. Amen. <laughs> Let's come back to what I was telling you. Go Philippians. Where is it? There we go. So, the bottom... All the long and the short of it, we are all slaves. Some of us, we are now slaves to Christ. I know those things because kids are Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all Yeah. You'll be owing school fees. We're pretty spectacular. That's me. I know. Kids are more. I come from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like about a desk, like school fees are short. So when I'm preaching these things, I know. So, pastors have been there. So when we preach here, we are not like, we are trying to say, repent. You won't might you might not get the grace we got. We come from there. We come from there. We come from there. When pastor's suit is expensive than all the chairs in the church, yeah? he gives you those cheap plastic chairs. That after you've said when you leave it, the, the foot is broken. You know that. Because he's a slave to suits. Hallelujah. He spends more hours searching for suits and 30 minutes trying to come up with a sermon just because he gets on stage. Because he's a slave to fashion. So I know that. I'm not making up things. I know that. I relate to people. I've seen them. I've seen their behaviors. Microphone or microphone. You look at him, you go like, hey, mm, the tie, the tie, as she's saying, could have bought a microphone to do the work of the Lord. I hope you still love me. <laughs> Tell me, actually. I love you guys, okay? Amen. You thought I'll come back as a prosperity preacher. No, I came back as a Jesus preacher. I'm now a Jesus preacher. And I was before the leave. So I'm going deeper. So now, it says, servants of Jesus Christ. I could go on and on, but I need to stop at some point because of time. Then he turns around. Oh, but I've read you Isaiah 42. Verse 1. He's proud of his servant. He said, this is my chosen one. This is the one I take delight in. And this one is going to do my work. That's the prophet Isaiah. Wearing the lens of the spirit. Seeing the future that God had in mind. That at the right time. God was to send his supreme servant, one bigger than Moses, one bigger than Isaiah, 
One bigger than Timothy and Paul. One bigger than me and you. His chosen one. His name is Christ Jesus. He says, this servant of mine, a broken reed, he will never break. This one is full of grace and truth. I says, I am going to send my chosen servant. And his name is Jesus. So Paul was proud to be a servant of God or a servant of Christ Jesus because that associates him with Jesus Christ. He says that I may know him, that I can be like him in his death and his resurrection. So by associating with Jesus as a servant, you become one like him. Now, listen to this. The Bible says that Jesus, God gave him a name above any other name as the servant of God, right? I'll show you now. Go to Philippians, right? As a servant of God. So the name of Jesus is above all names in heaven, here on earth, and below the earth. Ah, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Your miss call right there. By saying Jesus is Lord, you are saying, Jesus, you are my master, I'm your servant. That's why salvation is about confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's surrendering your will, your desire, your identity to him. Give me a new identity. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Instead, he emptied himself by assuming a position of a servant. Did he say that? Assuming the form of a servant when he became a man like me and you. Now, listen to this. When I said everybody is a servant, Jesus became a servant when he took our form. In other words, a human being was created to be under submission and the submission of God. So you surrender your submission to God. You hand over your submission to the devil or the things I've mentioned. No man can stand on their own. Including the non-believers, the atheists, and everybody. They are not on their own. They are servants. Because human beings were created to submit. And that is why one of the biggest things that people want to do, as soon as they get power, they want others to submit. Because you now want to compare yourself to God by trying to have others to submit when God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, he said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, Jehovah, the Lord, Yahweh, says, let my people go so that they can serve me, so that they can worship me. It's all about that. All of us, we are not immune. From being servants. One way or the other. You are serving somebody. The call of my message today. Does not matter who you are. Where you come from. How I relate to you. You need to come to Jesus. And submit to Jesus. Some of you I know you have been born again. Or claiming to be born again for many years. But you are not submitted to Jesus. Today is your chance. To fully surrender. In the hello Marina Jesus. Tomorrow is not promised. It's not. The Apostle Paul says servants of Christ Jesus. Now, this is what happens when you're servants of Christ Jesus. He says, go chapter 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, quickly there as we stop the message. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, ne? and the overseers or the elders and the deacons. Right? Are you, can you see that? This is what he says to them. He says, you are saints. 
But when you read this letter, you'll begin to realize that the church in Philippi was suffering from disunity. There was no unity. Why didn't he call them sinners? Oh, why does God not call you a sinner? You are corrupt. But God does not call you a sinner. You know why? Read carefully the verse. To all the saints, there's a word there. In Christ Jesus. As soon as you are in Christ Jesus, your identity changes to that of a saint. Regardless of what you did yesterday, today, or even tomorrow, in Christ Jesus, your identity changes. In other words, when God looks at you, he sees Christ Jesus. Because you were created in the image and in the likeness of God after all. And that is why the children of Israel, I said it yesterday, they were stiff-necked people. They were corrupt. But he called them a holy nation of priests in the book of Exodus. Why will he call stubborn people a holy nation of, of priests? Because in Christ Jesus, your identity changes. Your job is to appropriate what Jesus attained for you on the cross. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that I don't have the righteousness that comes out of works. I don't have righteousness that comes from my family name. I don't have righteousness that comes from having a lot of money. I can't buy myself into righteousness. He says... The righteousness I have is the one I get from Christ Jesus. When I acknowledge his death, burial, and resurrection, you receive that by faith in Christ Jesus. And that is the grace of God. When you do that, you become a saint. Now, saint is a noun and holy is an adjective. It's one and the same thing. So when we say saint, we're basically saying holy. It's a noun, the other one is an adjective. So same thing. When we say you are a saint, we are saying you are holy. But the Bible says no one can stand in my presence and live. In other words, when we say you are a saint, you are a saint or you are holy, we are saying you are of a stature befitting to stand in the presence of God. Now Paul is saying these people who don't have unity are of a stature befitting to stand in the presence of God, even when they don't qualify. So what it means here is that in Christ Jesus, the unqualified get qualified. He makes you a saint when you are not one. Your job is to appropriate that. It starts by surrendering your will and become his servant. What a paradox. Oh, Jesus. Let's finish up. We are holy. Because we are in him. All it means when you are outside Jesus, you are not holy. So your friends, your family, who are not in Jesus, they are not holy, full stop. This holiness comes by being in Jesus, that's it. Does not matter what you are doing, by being in Jesus, then you become holy. Then you must work your salvation with fear and trembling, and trembling until you become everything he has ordained you to be. So all I was trying to say, you can stand up actually because I won't finish. Stand up, uh, keyboard, we can play. So what you are saying to us here, before Ubuaga grace, are you with me? Before you speak about peace, remember whose servant you are. If you are not the servant of God or of Christ Jesus, then you don't qualify to be a saint. And therefore you don't qualify to experience the favor of God until you submit to Jesus. Then verse 2 says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is we are the slaves, the word here is of, right, capital letters, of Christ Jesus. 
We are saints, capital words now, it's in, I-N, in in capital words, in Christ Jesus, we are holy people. And we experience grace and peace, capital words, from, F-R-O-M. We experience grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing greeting from the Apostle Paul, whereby every word matters in that verse. That if you are going to experience the grace of God in your generation or today, you have to go back to servanthood so that he can make you a saint, so that you can appropriate the grace of God and the peace of God. I was told by my wife that some people are not happy with me when I said depression is a choice. I have good news for you, I'm going to repeat. Depression is a choice. Because depression is bondage from an evil slave master. Submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Allow him to be your Lord and Savior. He will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. And I don't know how can you be depressed then when you have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The problem, you are making the wrong choice. You worship your doctors and counselors and not the word of God. And I'm here to say to you, submit yourself to the word of God. And let's see you continue to be depressed. And don't tell me Pastor so and so is depressed. I'm not him and they are not Jesus. And they are not the Bible. Amen. The Bible teaches me clearly here. There is peace that surpasses all understanding. And it comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh, glory to Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's raise our hands. Grace and peace comes from Jesus. A choir, let's sing as we pray. Oh, yeah, la, la, la. 